This is Agatha Brewer, and you're listening to the Intentional Solopreneur Podcast, the show about how to launch and grow a successful service-based business. In each episode, I show you how to build a business on purpose, one that lights you up, keeps you inspired, and helps you make a bigger impact on the world. I share both marketing strategy and my best mindset tips to help you get the clarity and confidence you need to succeed as a new business owner. Hi, everyone. This is Agatha Brewer, and you're listening to The Intentional Solopreneur. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Hannah Murphy. Hannah helps entrepreneurs create a profit-focused schedule that eliminates unnecessary task switching, long nights, and never-ending to-do lists. Hannah was that business owner who worked seven days a week and was desperate to have overnight success. The business world had a lot of noise about how she should spend her time and grow her business. Yet it wasn't effective. Hannah realized a productive schedule wasn't doing the wrong tasks quickly. It was finding the right tasks that actually worked and grew her business from three clients to 27 clients in six months. Welcome, Hannah. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Great to have you. And I love your accent, by the way. (laughs) I'm sure you hear that a lot. Yeah, well, I'm glad you like it because some don't. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so in today's episode, we're going to go over how to prioritize your schedule as a business owner and how to know what are the most important tasks to work on, not just the ones you think you need to do. So let's jump right in. So can you tell my listeners a little bit about your story and how you came to be a business strategist and a VA or virtual assistant. Yeah, so um, I honestly never knew the business world existed, um, had no intention of becoming a business owner, anything like that. Um, But I had just moved to a different state in Australia and I was beginning to study primary teaching. Um, Love teaching, always wanted to become a teacher. And so I was studying that um, and it was a four-year degree And in my first year, I just needed a job like on the side to earn some income while I was going through that degree. And um, I tried, you know, all of the like typical casual jobs in retail and food and all the things. And um, it just wasn't fulfilling or exciting for me. And I knew that like I had to have a job for four years, not in teaching. And so I wanted to look at how I could make the most of this um, four year season and what I could do and dream about and Um, I was randomly following someone on Instagram, honestly have no idea how I came across them, but um, they put on their Instagram stories that they were hiring and looking for a virtual assistant. And I actually Googled what a virtual assistant was like, that's how much I didn't know about the industry. Um, And then from there, I just reached out and said, like, I've never done this before, but happy to learn, happy to give it a go. And yeah, she was so gracious in giving me that job opportunity and teaching me a lot of um, some of the things I still use to this day. And so um, that kind of, it was for like a three month contract. So I did that, loved it. And during that time, I just learned 
everything I could about the business world. I took every freebie I could, every training I could, like spent hours on YouTube. I just was so invested in this new world that I had found. It was exciting for me. And so from there, um, I one of the tasks for that role, it was more kind of general VA, but one of the tasks was Pinterest management. Um, and I had actually never even had a personal Pinterest account. So didn't know much about Pinterest. Um, and I just like took a few courses that she had paid for, for me to do. And from there, I fell in love uh, with that and how it helped other businesses and also how blogging combined with that. And so kind of eventually came into specializing in blog and Pinterest for photographers. And that was where my business then really exploded and went from three uh, photographer clients to then 27 in six months. And it just grew significantly, brought on a team to help and, you know, loved it. But through that time, uh, it really helps you learn systems <laughs> and schedules and how to manage that. And I was still at university studying as well. Um, so I had to learn how to manage both. And through that, through people seeing I was able to do it, um, began getting asked, like, how are you doing this? How do you create this schedule? And that's how I then pivoted into more this strategy uh, education. And now I get to teach, but in a totally different environment than the classroom um, with young kids. So yeah, it's really been a fun journey, something that never would have thought I would be here. But now that I am, I just couldn't imagine doing anything else. That's awesome. And yeah, I... I'm familiar with Pinterest marketing a little bit, tiny bit, but yeah, I've got my blogs up there as well. So it's a cool strategy mm. to use to connect the two um, because people are searching on Pinterest more than they are searching totally. blogs. Yep. Or yep. Maybe they're, they're doing both, but they can, they mm. can work together well. Mm. Uh, so you talked about, you know, figuring out your schedule and yeah, how you kind of pivoted to that. So I know, especially my audience, people who listen to this podcast are newer entrepreneurs and they're struggling usually with figuring out how to know what's actually going to bring them profit in their business versus waste their time because they don't mm -hmm. have a lot of experience. And so um, to, to know that kind of information. So what are the things you think they need to be aware of to identify those profit generating tasks? Yeah, such a good question. And it's one that like I would say is most commonly asked in terms of what do I even put in my schedule, right? Um, and so, you know, when you're very first starting your business, like when I was first starting, I had to try things um, to see what worked and what didn't with the whole intention of collecting data. And so I was then able like a few months in to see, okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this time spent on Facebook marketing. There's nothing wrong with Facebook. Facebook is great. But for me and my business, I had no leads coming from there. And so it's really using a combination of data and looking at, okay, where are my leads coming from? from what's the best use of my time here um, and what's, you know, like, for example, with your packages, is there one that's getting a lot more clients than something else, right? And looking at how you can improve those packages to save you time. So it's really looking at that profit generating aspect. What are the tasks that actually move the needle in my business? And then the other aspect is joy, like what actually 
is exciting for you? Like, is there a package that drains you or a marketing channel that drains you and you hate and maybe you've got a few leads from it, but it just doesn't excite you? Like, I'm a big believer in you created a business to do what you love. And so your schedule needs to reflect that. And so, you know, you want that combination of both things that excite you um, and things that actually really do grow your business and are a really good use of your time. Mm -hmm. So that's making me laugh because I'm wearing a shirt that says, choose joy. <laughs> I don't You're know so you on brand. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's like, it's kind of like my motto. I mean, we yeah. can all be in a bad mood, but we want to choose joy and yeah. like choose so the things that, and how it relates to your business. You want to choose the things that make you happy to actually do them so that you actually do them. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And bring you results in, in the long run. Um, and you talked about data, so I'm going to challenge a little bit because mm -hmm. some of my uh, listeners are like very early on in their journey. So what happens if you don't have data? Like, how can you <laughs> try totally. to figure out like what are the profit generating tasks without having a ton of data? Yes. Yeah. So um, a combination of two things. So like I said before, like it's actually going to take a little bit of trial and error. And I know that's not very tangible and specific, but that's the way you collect data is trying things and not being, um, you know, like if something doesn't generate a heap of leads or it's not, you know, it's not selling or something like that, that's giving you feedback. And that's actually a good thing to then be able to interpret that data. But another thing is market research. Like there are ways you can, uh, you know, like reach out to a few different people that maybe are friends or friends of friends or someone within the industry that you admire and do some research, try and get them on a 20 minute call and see, you know, what are you actually really struggling with right now? How could I be of support to you? You know, what are your pain points right now? And really doing some research into where are they hanging out? Where do they go for information and support? And what are they looking for? Um, and so, you know, the that client voice is going to be the best piece of data for you in those very early stages. And then from there, you begin to track and collect data over time um, in terms of where people are coming from. Um, you know, what's bringing you good results, what's exciting for you, what's working, what isn't. And that's a constant. I mean, to this day, I'm still doing that five years, four or five years later. And so there's always a level of, you know, like in my opinion, business is like one big science experiment, right? Like you're constantly collecting data, slightly tweaking things and having it reflect to be the best it can. But yeah, definitely in those initial stages, it's really important to track where leads are coming from and what they're actually looking for um, when they do come to you. Yeah, that's awesome advice. So thank you for, I know I challenged you a little bit. I love it. <laughs> my, my background is in marketing. So like yeah. I talk lead gen, demand gen all day long, but mm -hmm. you know, other people, like if you don't have, if you're just getting started, you know, not that many leads might be coming in, but you, yeah. the market research piece is key. And that's something yeah. you can't just make an offer out of thin air. You have to actually yeah. base, base it on something or you can, but it won't necessarily convert. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's so really true. helpful. Um, so in your teachings, you talk about nailing client care and the five mm -hmm. steps of a strong client journey. Can you expand on this? Totally. So I think um, 
I guess to start it, like self-care is so important as a business owner, right? Like we have to make sure we have time for ourselves and prioritize that. But a big piece I see missing in the industry is that client care is almost equally as important because at the end of the day, they are the one, you know, paying your bills and supporting your business. And so you've got to make sure that that client experience is one that keeps people coming back or keeps people you know, referring you out. And that's a huge piece of your marketing and growth, right? Like referrals is a great way to see if your client experience is up to standard. So the five stages, so the um, I'll just list them and then kind of go into them. So the first one is attract, um, then persuade, then onboard, then actually complete the project and the transformation and then offboard. So Brief summary of each of those, essentially attract is how are the ways people are finding you, right? Um, so this is essentially your marketing, but how are you bringing them in and attracting them as a lead? So do you have a really clear, you know, like lead form to collect or, you know, do you make it really easy for someone to DM you or whatever that looks like? Are they actually you know, that client experience starts at the very beginning of your marketing. Um, and then from there, once they have put their hand up to go, yeah, I'm interested. Um, the next step is then persuading that lead um, that you're a good fit. And that doesn't always mean definitely booking them, right? Like it may mean that you're actually not a good fit. Um, but that process, that step is all about figuring out whether you're a good fit or not and having that sales conversation. So the most common is sales calls, um, but it can also be, you know, back and forth in Instagram DMs or wherever you're having that conversation, making sure that it's, you know, really beneficial to them in that you're actually taking the time to do the research, to understand what they're wanting, what their experience is, you know, doing that research and coming in prepared um, and being able to present your offer in a way that's actually going to help them if they're a good fit. So um, that was step two. And then step three is onboarding. So this is how can you create a, you know, delight and surprise experience once they've said yes to you because they've put the money down but that doesn't mean the client experience ends like this is almost where it begins right they've just put money down um and you want to you know reward and make them excited still that they made that choice and so onboarding could be you know giving a gift sending a gift to them um but it's also the logistics of you know sending a welcome email and if you are a service provider you know, giving an onboarding form to collect that main information that you need. Um, but essentially, it's like, how in this phase can I make it really easy to get the information I need from them to better support them in their transformation or completing the project that they've paid for? And how can I make them still really excited that they said yes to working with me? Um, so that's the third step. The next one is completing the project and giving a transformation. So, you know, this is very obvious. This is what your package is and delivering on that. But it's also about looking at and asking yourself, how can I make this most effective? So is there a way I can streamline things a bit more? Or is there a way that I can improve the way I'm delivering something or giving that experience to someone? Um, and just having, you know, systems in place, making it streamlined, making it easy for both you and them. And then the last one is offboarding. So when they either finish 
um, and complete the project or if you have like a monthly retainer style, if they've decided to start working with you, um, how can you offboard them in a way that one, gets referrals and two, um, just really rounds out that experience. So it might be sending a gift. It might be, um, you know, like shouting them out on Instagram or sharing their work on whatever social media platform you use um, and just, you know, really highlighting them and what they taught you and helped you with and what you were able to work together and do. So that's really important. Um, and, you know, usually that looks like sending an offboarding email. Um, and in that I include details like, Hey, I loved working with you. Here's a little bit more of my referral program information um, because I'd love to serve more clients like you. And, you know, just really bringing in that um, experience piece or if they, if you want to upsell them to keep working with you or whatever that looks like, just providing that really key experience for them. I mean, to me, it sounds like it's like a luxury VIP experience that you're creating. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, in whatever capacity your packages looks like. Like I have monthly retainer packages and it's still about continually delivering that client experience, remembering when their birthday is, remembering all of these things. Um, it just, yeah, it brings that real elevated experience and it doesn't have to be at a really high price point to give that like you know you want that at every level that someone interacts with your business yeah and I think that's what some people might forget because they they assume that that luxury VIP experience comes with a huge price tag but just sending out an email when somebody like books yeah. like, <laughs> a call with you or books like to you know wants to work with you isn't that big of a deal as long as you remember to do it or have some kind of system or automation in place. Yeah, you know? Exactly. So it's really just like thinking through the steps and having them in place before you start working with people. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Giving that great experience. Yeah. yeah. So about going back to like creating a schedule. So it, creating a schedule is a very personal thing, right? And we all have different priorities and different ways we like to work. So what's your advice for business owners to create a schedule that's tailored to what works best for them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love this because it's so important that um, you don't just like copy paste someone's calendar. Like you actually do want to tailor a schedule that really reflects your real life and actually has that in mind, right? So the first thing I suggest doing is definitely brain dump everything you currently do in your business. I love putting a five minute timer on. I just find five minutes, like it's not too, you know, not too little, not too much. Um, and I just brain dump everything I'm currently doing or all the things I want to do because before you can even make the schedule, you've got to know what you're currently doing or what, you know, what actually needs to go in that schedule in the first place. So brain dumping and getting it all out on paper will just help you visually see either, wow, no wonder I'm so overwhelmed. There's so many things I'm trying to fit in um, or just bring clarity in what you're trying to get done and what you're wanting to get done, right? So the first thing is brain dump. The next thing is you want to then like audit that list and actually go, you know, is there anything on this list right now that I need to eliminate? It may not be forever. It just may be for the next few months to see how that impacts your business. But looking at, is there anything I need to eliminate based on that data and stuff we were talking about before and what excites you and brings you joy? Um, and then you're looking at, is there anything on this, this list that I can better streamline or automate? So like, for example, um, I used to like manually send Zoom links, you know, every time I had a client meeting and 
it only took a few minutes, but boy, it was a lot of effort because your mind, it's another thing that your mind has to remember of, okay, I've got to send this. I've got to make sure they've got this, you know, in time. And, but I could, you know, pay like $10 a month to automate that fully with a scheduling tool. So looking at ways you can automate and streamline things, even if it's a little bit of time it takes, that's more brain space and more things you've got to fit in your schedule. And eventually that will become too overwhelming. So looking at that. um, And then the last thing is outsourcing. So I know your audience is like quite new to business. And so maybe they're not at fully at the point of outsourcing, but it might be, you know, outsourcing to tech or outsourcing a one-off project or, you know, whatever is relevant. And over time, you know, maybe a year, two years into your business, as you're continually doing this brain dump, you know, that outsourcing piece may change. But for now, it may just be, okay, this is something I'd like to outsource in like six months time so that I'm working toward that within my schedule and looking how to, you know, bring someone on. So that's really important. Then once you've done all of that brain dump, you actually want to look at like, what is a dream schedule for you? Like for, that fits your personality, the when, when you like to work, the way you like to work, um, and, you know, reflecting those priorities, like you mentioned before. And so, for example, when I was studying um, primary teaching, I was at uni two days a week. So I had only, you know, three days a week and I didn't want to work weekends. And I'm best in the morning. So I wanted to work like three half days a week. Okay, well, now that I have that, I know this is kind of my benchmark and I have to fit everything else around that. So creating those that dream schedule of ideally what you want it to look like is going to be important um, so that you know where you're heading. And then the last step is obviously putting that brain dump list into the schedule. So I find um, batching to be really helpful because it, um, it the whole point of it is to reduce what's called task switching. So that's essentially when, you know, you're like writing Instagram captions and then all of a sudden you think of this great blog post idea and then you go switch over to that. And (laughs) by the end of the day, you have all of these like unfinished tasks. Uh, So it feels unproductive. It feels like you didn't get done much done, but you started a lot, right? And so you want to avoid that and you want to avoid your brain having to switch context all the time because that is um, draining in your energy. And so um, I find grouping tasks by the kind of area in my business. So I look at like sales and marketing tasks as one area. So one day a week, I'm going to batch, um, you know, like if I'm on YouTube, I'm going to batch that. If I have a blog, I'm going to batch that. If I have Instagram, I'm going to batch that. Um, and really looking at those different sales and marketing, uh, sales calls, you know, whatever is relevant to that area. And then the next area is client work or offerings, depending on if you have client work or, you know, if you have digital products, whatever that looks like, um, and creating or fulfilling in those client processes. Um, And then you've got operations. So, you know, eventually if you have a team that this would look like team meetings, but it's also things like bookkeeping, admin kind of tasks um, and all of those different miscellaneous areas as well. And so, you know, making those different tasks um, batched into that dream schedule that you want 
I find really helpful so that then you don't go, oh, I've really got to write this blog post. It's like, I'm going to write that blog post next Tuesday on my sales and marketing day. So it's just, it's giving clarity in when you're going to do something so you can wake up knowing what you're going to do rather than kind of spending different time switching tasks or procrastinating tasks or whatever that looks like. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I'd batch a lot in my business. Like, yeah um podcasts are on certain days like mm -hmm. client work is on others writing because you have to you're totally right you have to be like in a different headspace to do each one of yep. them and when you try to switch and bounce around like it's really inefficient and i know that just mm -hmm. i've known that in my life in general but yep. um, when it comes to my business it's way easier and then i mean even I work with people who are introverts. So, you know, if you're trying to be on podcasts or do public speaking, like that's scary as an introvert. So you try to do it on a yeah. day where you you know it's coming and then you can relax afterwards versus if you have it all over the place, then you constantly have to be on, which is no good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for, exactly. For people <laughs> like that. So, um, and I also liked how you talked about like creating an intentional schedule. That's something I did very early on. I was like, no, these are the days or times that I I'm working. Uh, this yeah. is what works for me. And th th that's it. Like, I am not trying to, s I, there were times when I would like make an exception for someone and say, Oh, I'll do it. I can do it on this day. And then I was like, no, that doesn't feel good. So you've got to be mm -hmm. strong on that. So that's yeah, good advice. Um, so true. Yeah. And kind of like coming back to the client care piece, like I actually think clients um, are actually more respectful of boundaries than we give them credit for. It's just that we don't communicate those boundaries. So if they know, hey, I'm working on your stuff on Thursdays and Fridays, for example, they're going to respect that more because they know when to expect the work from you. They know what that looks like and communicating that clearly, I find actually allowed a better experience because they knew when things were happening and I wasn't getting like, Hey, when's this coming? When's this? It's like, no wonder they're asking that they want the result. Right. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that they're better at sticking to those boundaries than sometimes people give them credit for. Yeah. And I agree with that too, as a coach, like, there in the beginning for me like there were times where I didn't want to uphold a boundary that I had or I didn't want to necessarily even tell the person about the boundary and then once yeah. I did I was like oh that wasn't so bad and they yeah. they do respect you for it because it, it it shows confidence and it shows no like you can't just like boss me around I'm you know totally. also a person and I have my own you know needs and stuff so yeah I, I definitely agree with that yeah, yeah, for sure. And like communicating why it's happening. Like it's not just because I'm selfish and I want a schedule my way. It's like, hey, like I work on this because then I can fully focus on what that, you know, your whatever it is that you're delivering um, and give like that's how I can best spend my time here. And I want like it's always about why it's beneficial for them, not so much for you. So, yeah, yeah. so true. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point to, to like frame it from their point of view instead of yeah. your own. Yeah. Um, and so once people have figured out their schedule, how often do you think they need to like revisit that or evaluate it over time to see if it's still mm -hmm. working for them? Yeah, totally. So I like I personally look at mine every month. Um, as the start of the month, I'm looking at okay, is this feeling good still? Is there anything that needs to be tweaked or changed? Um, so I just do that as a general check in, but I'm I'm not so much changing anything. I'm just checking in on it. Um, in terms of when things need to change, so if there's a big life event that's happened, um, then your schedule is going to need to change. For example, you know, if you have a child, or if you just get married, or if you just move somewhere 
somewhere else. Like um, if you're, you've been really sick, like all of those things are going to impact if you're going on a holiday, right? Like any season kind of change where it's going to put out your schedule, then something's obviously going to need to be tweaked in the short term or the long term. Um, So that's a big indicator that something needs to change. Another thing is if it's, um, if your business is feeling stagnant or, like something's not gelling, you're not excited. I just find a slight tweak in schedule brings that momentum back again and that excitement back again. So that's another reason why. And the other reason is, um, you know, if there's been a change in your offerings or your team or like the logistics in your business, then your schedule is going to need to reflect that. So, So I find those buckets usually are indicators that things need to change. But I think ultimately deep down like someone knows you know this isn't feeling good anymore or this isn't quite working this isn't quite clicking that's an indicator that something needs to change um as well but I still like to check in on it every month just because I find that that you know is really helpful in just honoring my time and my space to go hey like is this working for you still is this feeling good for you still and doing it that way is really helpful yeah and I don't know why but when you said the you know, checking in, uh, it kind of reminded me of like, when things are feeling stale, like there's this advice out there to basically, like I'm talking about in your house, like to rearrange your furniture and then it basically like changes the way that you see the space. And I I don't know why that just came up when you were talking about that. It's a good analogy. But but yeah, like it brings a new energy to like your space, but also in in your sense, it's like to your actual day and to how how you do your work. So um, definitely. And you touched on uh, outsourcing a little bit uh, before. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my listeners are new entrepreneurs who are just launching their business businesses and they're also solopreneurs, but obviously Mm -hmm. they can't do everything themselves. So when do you think it is the right time for them to start outsourcing parts of their business and what should they be aware of? Totally. Um, And it's such a good question. And it's, you know, I find different depending on your context, right? Like, let's say you're working a nine to five, you have that, you know, real income um, there, then, and your time is really limited, then it makes sense for you to probably outsource earlier than someone else, right? So you've got to look at like, what makes sense for me, what feels good for me in my context and my position. But I find generally, um, The best place to start I found was actually um, tech. So outsourcing to tech in terms of like looking at, you know, something like Dubsado to automate your client workflows or, you know, just those things where you're actually outsourcing um, processes and streamlining that to really make sure that that um, is good for when someone comes in. You really want the person that you outsource to to be outworking a system Um, that you already have in place because that's going to really streamline and ultimately save you money, right? So that you're not getting someone to do something manually that could be automated. So that's a big piece of it. Um, But then I find I really liked to start outsourcing on a project basis. So by that, I mean, like I would get someone to outsource some graphic templates for me as a one-off or I'd get a one-off someone to write a blog post for me, like just those kind of things to, I guess, put my, dip my toes in the water um, and just see how it feels and that there wasn't that financial stress and strain of having to pay someone every month, but that I could just get used to outsourcing and giving over that control and what that looks like. And 
then from there, um, you, you know, you're more looking at that monthly retainer sort of higher. Um, and I would say with that, you would want um, consistent income in that it's predictable and you know, a, like on rough data, what you're going to have coming in each month, because then it takes the pressure off in terms of, you know, what's expected, you know, what you can get from that, um, that hire and making sure that obviously you're getting an ROI and they're making money back. So like I started outsourcing, um, when I was at 3k a month, but I started very small, you know, it was just like helping design graphics for Pinterest clients. Then from there, obviously it grew very quickly. And so then now I have a lot more team members, people doing a lot more things. Um, and that definitely helps the schedule. But yeah, outsourcing, I have found to be one of the greatest gifts in my business, but it's also one of the greatest areas of strain and stress, if not done well. Um, and if it's done, you know, like trying to, fix a band-aid you know put a band-aid fix on something or you know whatever that looks like but yeah hopefully that answers the question <laughs> yeah it does um yeah i mean outsourcing is like uh it's i would imagine it's a really good thing but it can also be very stressful because then you yeah. also have to make sure that the quality of work is at the level that you expect and that totally. you could you could create yourself and what i've heard from others is like you don't necessarily want to outsource the things that you're really good at, like your zone of genius, let's call it. Yeah. You want to you want to outsource things that are like easily uh, repeatable or or the things mm -hmm. that like you just hate doing. <laughs> yeah. So that <laughs> totally. Like, so that you're you know choosing your joy. <laughs> yeah. To go yeah. back to hundred percent what we were talking about. So mm -hmm. is that something that you help your clients with to figure out the, tell me just a little bit more about what you do as a VA. I think that would just help. Yeah, totally. So um, I definitely specialize more now. So I'm more help people with like blog Pinterest kind of management in terms of if they're like wanting a weekly blog to go out like that's what I help do um, but in the early stages of my business I helped people like manage their inboxes like emails or you know help answer dms or help get social media content out on instagram um, or help with their client work in terms of like um, you know, checking in on clients and making sure things were handed in and all of that kind of thing. So there's so many different things that can be outsourced and, you know, people you can look for. And I personally um, now outsource a lot of like client experience help. So like I have someone on my team write blogs um, alongside me and, you know, having those kind of things there to help I have a bookkeeper, I have, um, you know, someone helping with our uh, marketing as well. And so bringing in those people to help has been great. But yeah, you definitely want to make sure that um, it's giving you back time and money um, and making sure that there is that ROI there that makes sense in your business that has that data. And I think that's another reason why you don't want to outsource straight away is because you want to have some time in your business to gather data in terms of, you know, like we were talking about earlier, what actually does move the needle, what does make sense to outsource um, as well. Yeah. I've heard that as well, as well. Like you need a benchmark. You need to know what works for you before you start yeah. outsourcing to see if it's yeah. actually producing results, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So any last tips, before we close up. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing to remember is just 
like productivity, creating a schedule um, and kind of what we've been talking about. It's not about speed. It's not about trying to get all this list done and trying to get everything done and, you know, trying to finish that. It's actually about like taking a step back and going like, hey, what actually feels good for me? What makes sense in my schedule? How can I reflect, you know, my personality, the priorities of this season in that rather than just trying to you know, copy another business owner's schedule because it works for them. It's really evaluating what works for you um, and adding that into your schedule and just filtering all advice through that lens of does this work for my business and me and my clients um, as well. So that's, yeah, that's been a huge thing that I'm constantly learning as well and taking the initiative to filter for myself, like, you know, putting that CEO hat on kind of thing. Yeah, you are a CEO, so you're already yeah. wearing that hat. <laughs> totally. Um, no, the word that's coming up, I'm a coach, so I, things come up for me, right? So intentional, yeah. the word is intentional yeah. that's coming 100%. up, which is exactly, you know, the, the point of this podcast is to be intentional and to, mm -hmm. you know, think about things, take a step back and then, you know, revisit your schedule so that you actually figure out like what works and what doesn't and what you can yeah. take off and add if you want <laughs> mm -hmm. so totally where can people find out more about you and the work that you do yeah so my website is with hannahandco.com and i'm also with hannah and co on instagram if you have any follow-up questions or anything definitely send me a dm happy to chat about it um but yeah those are two places to go i have different resources on there to help different programs coaching all of that stuff um but yeah i just i, I love I love the business world. It's so fun. <laughs> that comes through. Yeah, can, people don't see your smile right now, but I'll tell them that you're smiling <laughs> even love after it. 40 minutes of talking. So um, I'll, I'll put all that info on my show notes page when it goes live so people can find you. And I wanted to just thank you again for being on the show. I know that your tips will be super valuable to my audience. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Solopreneur. I hope you're getting some good information and some inspiration to help you grow your business. If you like what you've heard and you want the support of a business coach, come on over to agathabrewer.com and schedule a free consultation with me. In this call, we'll talk about your goals for your business and see if it makes sense for us to work together. My one-on-one -on -one coaching program is specifically built to help new entrepreneurs like you launch and grow a successful business. This program will help you get clarity on what you want to build, create a strategic plan of action, and identify and release any mindset blocks that are standing in your way. Because building a business shouldn't be so hard. And with my support, you'll reach your goals way faster than if you try to do it all alone. So I invite you to give yourself the gift of personalized support so you can build your dream business that allows you to live the life you want and make a bigger impact on the world.